All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.11a, and we'll explain shortly what that means. <laughs> and we are recording again from our hidden locale. Yeah. Um, so this this episode here, we're continuing in this this list of these initial heavy foundational concepts of the unpacking series. And so this episode is what exactly is evil and sin? Uh, why does it exist? And, and what should we do about it? My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the founder of Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry, pastoral leadership, and psychology. And psychology, that's yep. right. Uh, all right, so we have our, our next guest in this series. This guest is Connor High. So I met Connor a few years back. He's now part of my, my community group that meets weekly. Uh, and he's taken several. He took Know They Self a while, mm-hmm. a long time right. ago. Uh, and then he took several of the unpacking studies. I personally find Connor very perceptive and wise, so I'm always excited when he signs up for the different unpacking uh, studies. Uh, he's had a, a life in, he grew up as a missionary kid. He's definitely dedicated to serving God and serving others. He's got a lot of passion for God and scriptures. And so he took the evil sin study and I definitely wanted him to be a part of that. So Connor, uh, welcome yeah, uh, your first you, time to the podcast thanks, series. Shane. Can you just tell us uh, quickly here, why have you taken multiple unpacking studies? And then is there something that you like, like a, a theme that has emerged or something that you've been learning or something got solidified through all of those? Uh, yes, definitely. First, thank you for, you know, letting me be a part of this because I do think this is a really important uh, study and, and kind of, you know, in the different groups that we've been in, um, seeing your passion for it. And, and one of the things you've always said is, you know, applying the details of the Bible to the details of your life. Right. And that has really stuck with me. I think the unpacking studies are a great way to do that, to to really get into some of the key concepts and and dig into that and how that, um, you know, where, where's, where's the scriptural support for that? And then how can you apply that to your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really cool because going through all the different ones, they all kind of tie in together. And that's one of the really, um, great things that I've seen about is that they kind of build on each other and support one another as we've gone through, um, the different unpackings. So, yeah, so that, that's a good segue with, with the building upon each other. So in the last episode at the beginning, we took some time walking through why, We've put everything in the order that we've put it in, so I just want to reiterate it again. So mm-hmm. if, if you're tuning in right to this episode and you haven't listened to other ones, so the you know the whole un- unpacking process, everything you guys were just saying, so we put an order together, and what we, we first started off with those three core concepts from 1 Corinthians 13, so these three remain or abide or continue, faith, hope, and love. And so we did, hope was the first one, and then a spinoff of that, which was heaven. And then we did faith and the spinoff of that, which was maturity, mm-hmm. which we're actually going to be referencing again in, in this episode or this this series of this topic. Um, and then love, which of course is is the huge one for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and then and then we talked about the difference between love and glory. And so we did a whole episode on glory as well, kind of a spinoff there. Then we moved to interdeterminism. Yep. And that, that's, that was our longest one to date, though I think we're going to break the record here, right? <laughs> um, and really trying to figure out like how God uses his sovereignty, right? How he mm-hmm. interacts, how, why things play out the way that they do. Uh, and then we moved into good, and so now we're doing evil. And so good and evil become two really core concepts to this entire unpacking Bible, God, kingdom yeah. thing. But I knew I wanted to reference those other ones first before we got into the good and evil. And so here we are now in the, the this topic of evil and sin. And you're going to find that we use evil and sin somewhat interchangeably as we go through this. We'll, you know, we'll explain it all. This is one that I've long wanted to do. So if I had to pick like, oh man, if I had to pick three podcast because we've recorded what 30 or so so Something far like that yeah uh, and even thinking down the road other ones that we're going to record 
um, if someone said, what are the three I need to listen to? I would say the the um, scripture part one here in season three, which is um, why you know how the Bible was formed, why is it so magical, etc. Love, yeah, uh, and then this one, evil and sin. I don't want to narrow it to three because I want to yeah, also include sure. heaven and seven stage journey from season one and all those. But but this would be the third one that I would recommend. Yeah, and for me, I think that uh, definitely love and this one are two that I would recommend, and then just adding maturity for my third one. Ooh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so many good topics. So. So this this issue of evil and sin has long been something I've passionate about. So you guys know from season one, episode zero, one point zero zero or one point zero one, I get my story. And you know, I grew up in the church, and then I had this prodigal son stage in my twenties, and there was a whole bunch of sin right during that time. And then came back to God in my early thirties, and was reading Scripture again, and was just blown away by what I was learning. You know, this is getting into the details of the Bible, to the details of my life, all that kind of thing. And and. I, and and I, my personality is one to question things, which can be good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. So it's good to question sometimes the status quo if the status quo needs to be questioned. If it doesn't need to be questioned, then you shouldn't be questioning it, right? So so that that requires discernment. Yeah. But when it comes to this evil and sins topic, I, for a long time, I just felt like, not that the, that the church was teaching it wrongly, but something was missing, Either there were certain points that weren't being brought up because there were certain questions that I had that weren't being answered or the emphasis was in the wrong place. Yeah. I just knew there was some stuff going on. So I just in my own personal walk, in my own personal time in Scripture, and then when I was in seminary and going through all that, I was really trying to wrestle with, you know, what is sin? What is evil? What, why is sin sin? Hmm. You know, all these kind of things. And so we're talking probably eight years I've really been wrestling with what does it mean? You know, because like one of the things is sometimes we're almost kind of taught this very simplistic list. Listen, sin is wrong, so stop sinning in the point. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like there's a whole lot more yeah. than than just that. You know, and and if I if I if it is as simple as as a Christian, I'm just supposed to stop sinning. Why am I sinning? So, yeah. so why haven't much. I done that? Right, yet. right. Haven't I done that yet? And started getting, uh, I started making a list of sins. And you know, and for me, and, and we'll get into all this. But for me, like anytime the Bible gives a command, if I don't do that command, that's a sin. Um, or anytime there's a prohibition, I did a prohibition. You know, and we'll come back to that. But I'm like, so if I'm being honest, if I'm understanding, so I, I started making a list. I had an Excel spreadsheet, and I started making a list just in the New Testament alone of like the different commands mm-hmm. or prohibitions. And as I was making this list, there's a lot of, and we're going to go through this later, but there's a lot of attitude. You're supposed to have a certain attitude. So all that to say, I'm like, so I sin all the time. Hmm. Like I am, I am every day there's commands that I'm not doing, you know, or prohibitions that I dabble in or whatever. So it's not even like I'm a Christian and I occasionally still sin. How do I stop it completely? It was, I'm a Christian, like passionate. But but according if, if I'm understanding this correctly, according to this, I'm sending all the time, you know. So all of this just got me something really passionate about. And also like in my counseling classes, they talk about solution focused counseling. Hmm. And so you're not really supposed you, you you have to address the problem. You can't ignore it. You have to address it. But the point is not to dwell on the problem. The point is to find the solution and then get to that. And so I wanted to spend a lot of time on, well, what would the solution be? And how do I take a solution focused approach to sin? Also, what is atonement? And if, if God has atoned for that, you know, so these were all just tons and tons of questions that, that I, I had, I'm looking at, at my notes here that, oh, oh, other questions like if God hates evil and he's sovereignly in control, however that plays out, right? <laughs> practically with interdeterminism, yeah. why does he allow evil? Why not just start the first day of heaven? That was a big question for me. God, I feel like you can do anything. 
And so why didn't you start just the first day of heaven? Because in heaven we won't be sinning. So why not just start that day? It almost seemed like there was a purpose to this prologue. So going back to seven stage journey, I got more and more convinced that that God set up this temporary prologue before the real story. And and so and we're gonna like prepare to get your world rocked yeah. um, in this topic because we're gonna go way behind the scenes and foundational and at the 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 prepositional philosophical levels. We're gonna get into the practicality, you know, just tons of stuff with this. So I'm really really excited about uh, uh, wrapping my mind, you know, uh, around all this. Um, anyways, so. Those were some so all these questions that I had. So I knew that that evil and sin was a complex issue, and I felt that it was being oversimplified in the teaching that I was hearing, hmm. and I really want to have a mind around it. So that, that's why I began this this journey, um, and so and so with that, know that before we can even tackle this issue of evil and sin. We have to tackle other issues first. So, so this goes back kind of full circle. My whole point of this little rambling, of why we went in the order that we went yeah. in. So, I knew, for example, before I study evil, I probably need to study good, hmm. um, and and love tends to be the answer to everything. So, I need to be understanding love before I get into that. The inner determinism, right? So that's why we've done all of these initial topics because they all are going to play into this issue. Because you know, me being me, I'm going to present. I don't think it's controversial, though I acknowledge that it is controversial. Right? <laughs> um, and so I'm presenting some theories, and it can really catch people off guard. And, and I'm about—I'm not about like presenting controversy just to present controversy. I'm actually trying to persuade, and I understand that what I'm trying to persuade of can be controversial. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking through just what does it mean to actually persuade somebody. So that's why we were laying down all of the groundwork of all these things before we got into this topic. Yeah, and with all of that groundwork, I feel like another part, as I went through this study, which was twice as long as the studies that we normally do here in Lynchburg, but uh, as we went through this, I began to really realize how all these topics not only lead up to it, but how you view evil and sin impacts so many other parts of your theology. And so if you don't have an understanding of evil and sin um, that's more complicated and nuanced, you're going to lose out on a lot of different ways when that intersects with what you believe regarding other issues. And so another point with this is suffering. So a lot of people treat, they kind of pair evil and suffering together. So why does a good God allow evil and suffering? And they are paired together, but they're separate issues. So we are going to do an episode on suffering right after this one. Mm-hmm. So so we're going to go through this whole concept of what is evil and sin and, and why does it exist? Why does God allow it? And then practically, what should we do about it? We're going to go through all of that once we go through that. And so we're going to be giving you this, this proposal, this proposed theory on why there is so much evil and sin with God still being perfect and good and all that. And so we're going to go through all that. Then in the next episode, we will actually then touch on suffering. So what is suffering? Why does it exist? And it's a lot of the same answers as this one. But because it's its own separate thing, I want to treat it separate. So just know that as you're listening into this, we'll probably reference suffering here and there, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's going to get its own episode. Yep. Um, and And then once we do that, then we're going to get into prayer. And so I thought about doing prayer at the beginning, but then I decided I want to do prayer after suffering so that, you know, once someone's understanding what good and evil is in suffering, it'll help them with the prayer. Prayer is its own whole beast, right? Mm-hmm. But we'll do, we'll do that on prayer. Prayer kind of bookends um, this first section of season three. 
And then, so, so we're doing the evil sin now, then we'll do suffering, then we'll do prayer. And then after that, it opens up the whole floodgate of all these other foundational ones like uh, justice and righteousness and grace and mercy and forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, anger, you know, all these things, uh, peace and joy, the different fruit of the spirit. We're going to be listing out all those as well. And that will be kind of the second section of, of season three. So again, I always just want to communicate to the listener so they, they can see what, what we're thinking, what, why we're doing this and, 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 and what the layout of it is. So, so with that, um, before we get into the evil study, Zach, go ahead and give us a quick recap of the good study, yeah. which we just did. Okay. So basically what we decided with the good study is that there's four main components or four different uh, aspects of good that we see in scripture. And so we labeled those G0, G1, G2, and G3. And so G0s are those things that are inherently valuable. G1s are pleasing. G2s are beneficial. G3s are like moral, so they're right or straight. And then we also uh, talked a lot about how God is the ultimate source of good. And so that's really a motivation that we have to be pursuing him. And so we're going to be referencing this a lot because there's an inverse between the good and evil. So we'll, we'll come back to that. And that's a quick summary of a... Uh, I don't know how long the good one was, two plus remember. hours. But yeah. so so go back and listen to that yeah. episode, right? It's yeah, there's much more to it than just that. But yeah. there's a nice little overview. <laughs> and and if, if if this is, you know, if if somebody had recommended this or you just found this online and so you're listening to evil and, the, and this is the first one, I really do recommend that you go back and listen to the good one for sure. Because it seems like you need to understand good before you can understand evil. Yeah. And I would even say the inner determinism one um, also, it would go a long way before you before you come into this one. Mm-hmm. Anyways, then I got one more note that I want to make before we get into the study. So we're, we're going to do a different format with this one. So you notice at the beginning I said this is episode 3.11a. Um, ever since, you know, we started in season one, we just, one of the big questions that we had as, as we were going through the recording was, how much information do we want to include? Hmm. Because obviously, and, and me being me, I'm very verbose, mm-hmm. right? And, and I always give these long things. And so the talk was, should we simplify it and just give a simplified version of the podcast? And I was emphatic, no. That's one of the whole points of rekindling is we want to give as much information as we can as we can, so that we can equip uh, equip the saints. To have those details. To have the details. That's what, you know, again, apply, like, like you said, Connor, apply the details of the Bible to the details of your life. So even like in, in the heaven study with Sarah, it was brought up several times where when she she had been teaching that material to her Wednesday night group, and they're like, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this before. Hmm. And so I knew it was never a question for me that the whole point of rekindling is to go massively in depth and comprehensively, right? So breadth and, and depth and width and everything else. And, and, and even back when we started this in 2007 and before, and we're talking about the marketing, we said, you're going to lose certain people because you go so in, in a depth. I'm like, I know that I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But my target audience really is those that want more depth. So we knew that we were going to do massive amounts of information. Now in season one and season two with the lenses and, and know thyself, they all came out to between 40 minutes and an hour and 10 minutes. So pretty straightforward. Season three, right from the get go. <laughs> I don't think a single one's been under two hours. I, I don't think so. Um, they've all been over two, and, and some of them have come close to three. So you just you just doubled the time. And so so one of the things that we we've been talking about is do we actually want to you know so we we definitely want to include all the material, but do we want to break it up into smaller episodes? And I don't think there's a right answer here. I think it's a preference answer. Hmm. So I, I know for me personally, 
I just felt better mentally if all the material got into one episode so that when I'm recommending people, just there's the episode on that concept, on the unpacking topic, go listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, talking with Craig, uh, Craig said, yeah, I, I like the long ones. And, and we saw when I did some research, a lot of podcasts run two, three, four or five hours, some sports content. Uh, podcasts and history podcasts so I knew there were some long ones out there mm -hmm. and and Craig told me he goes yeah I don't mind having these long ones and I just know when to stop you know I'll just stop at this point and I'll just start again later so one of the things that we did so far in the season three here is I've been I've been putting a time stamp on on the on the comment section right uh, of, on the pod being there and so the timestamps had, here's the four or five sections of this study. So if you needed to jump back and forth or if you needed to know a good stopping place, you could do that. Yeah. Right? So I was okay with that. But I was still getting challenged by, by you guys in the board and that of let's, but some people might get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and they look that a podcast is two or three hours long and they're not even thinking about trying to start and stop as they listen. And so they don't even listen. And like Connor, you were saying beforehand, you like to have those shorter ones, like 45 minutes or whatever, and then you can just listen back to back if you want, but it gives you more flexibility, right? Yeah. That, I mean, I think like you said, it's a preference preference issue, but as long as all the material gets out there, I think yeah. everything's going to be good. So we decided with this one to go ahead and do an experiment. And so what we're going to do is, is we've, we, so we, we have, we have a whiteboard here in this, in this secret location. We do. <laughs> um, and we drew up a bunch of notes that we wanted to do for this study. And we have, of course you guys can't see this, but we have laid out in front of us. We just got stacks of paper from all these different studies and notes that we have. So we laid out an outline of how we want, and, and this study's intense. And, and so, so let me just warn you right now, this entire study is probably going to run four to six hours. So this will be the longest one by far. And so I was, you know, I was okay. Let's, we'll just do a four to six hour podcast. <laughs> then we said, well, let's go ahead and split it up. And, and there's like three main sections. Like we'll split it into three episodes, but there's actually six specific sections to this. So we decided to go ahead and record six, six separate episodes. We're going to keep that. They're all 3.11, which is the evil sin, mm -hmm. but we're going to have, so this one that you're listening to right now is 3.11A yep. and then we'll do it and then, and then we'll do a 3.11B. So each of these six individually are probably going to be right around 45 minutes to an hour somewhere. Well, there. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, that's the goal. Anyways. Yeah. We, we, we'll see as, as we record this cause we're already at, uh, 18 minutes. <laughs> this <is> hilarious. <laughs> Anyways. So, so, so we have the six and so here's, here, here are the six that we're going to do. This episode is going to be the definitions like we normally do in unpacking so we're going to get into the hebrew and the greek and the the miriam webster and the farleks and all those and we're going to give you all the definitions so that when we finish this episode you'll have a definition of what is evil what is sin mm -hmm. then in the second episode we're going to you know how normally in the unpacking we get into like the details and nuances yeah so we're going to get into some of the details and nuances as far as the results what does sin result in or what does resisting a sin result in? And so we're going to explain, here's the consequences, or here's, you know, for every action there is a reaction. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, given the for, for episode one, or A, the definition, what happens um, yeah. if, if, episode, if, you, if you do the sin? Then in, in episode C, the third one, we're going to get into a huge issue, which is one of my favorite things, which I just referenced. Why does sin exist? Yeah. If God is so good and he's so perfect and he's so sovereign and he's so holy and he hates sin, why does he allow it so much? And so we're going to do a whole episode on why sin and evil exist. Yeah, and that's one that if you haven't listened to the inner determinism study or episode that we did uh, a couple weeks ago, that one is going to be really beneficial, especially for uh, 3.11c because it's going to all kind of come together. together. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, and then the fourth one, so so the, then we discuss, so why does it exist? Then we're going to, the, the episode D is going to be specific sins. Um, we're going to, we have a whole huge list. This is not comprehensive, but we have a huge list of what would the Bible say? What, what are the actual sins? And we're going to talk about categorization of them and different types, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to list them all out. That is a really convicting one. So I've had talks with friends of mine who they had always kind of thought of sin as like the murder or the lust or, or whatever. And they're really good people. They don't do those. And so, cause I made a comment about how I sin every day and they were like, but oh, I don't think you sin every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you think you don't sin? Like, no, I, I don't think I sin every day. Well, they're not understanding this list. And so in episode D, when we go through all that list, you're going to see very quickly you sin every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean that in a discouraging way because, again, because one of my goals of all this is to actually encourage people. That was another point that I wanted to make at the beginning, that when the church discusses sin, it's just so negative. Now, I understand that sin itself is a negative yes. thing, yeah. but it's it was such a, I don't know, doom and gloom and I'm like, I feel like there should be a better tone to this. And so and so that's one of my goals as we go through all of this is to actually take, I want to say more positive, a healthier tone. Yeah. That's one of my big goals here is to take a healthier tone to the issue of evil and sin. Because I think a lot of times it depends on where the emphasis is. Right. And some, when we went through this study, uh, we were all really encouraged by the end of it because we found out that if you emphasize the individual things – it's really discouraging. Right, right. If all you do is listen to episode D, the specific list, and you're just like, oh man, I do this all I'm the time. Screwed. That's really discouraging. Yeah. But when you see this bigger picture and the narrative of uh, why it's inclu- why sin is even a thing and all this, uh, it really begins to point you back to God, and that really becomes encouraging by the end of that. Yeah. So that's, that's section D. You got, you got some, Connor? Yeah, one thing to add with that, um, pointing back to to God, I think specifically God's response to sin. And that was one of the things that I really found encouraging was God's response to sin and then how that affects our response, which is something that we're going to get into. Yeah. So. And that's E and F. So, so after episode D with a list of sins, episode E, or is that right? A, B, C, D. Yeah. Uh, episode E is going to be God's response mm-hmm. to sin. How does biblically, how does he handle it? And I, and I, I'm with you. It's really encouraging. Uh, and then episode F, the sixth and final one, will be our response to sin. And, and that one's our interactions with sin. So that will be the section F or episode F will have two parts. Preemptively, what can we do practically mm-hmm. to, to reduce the sin in our life? And then post when sin occurs, whether we sin or somebody else sins, Christian or non-Christian, how are we supposed to respond to that? So you'll see, but especially when we get to episodes E and F, especially F, the last mm-hmm. one, how Detailed. We're actually going to get into a practical res- response to sin. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Kind of got a little ahead of there. <laughs> yeah. So the so those are the six. Technically, you could probably listen to each one individually in whatever order you want. But we spent what 20 minutes beforehand, yeah. maybe longer, just trying to figure out what order we want to win. We uh, what order we wanted to go in. Mm-hmm. And so we do recommend that you listen to these six in this order because um, it, it just makes sense to us. Yeah. Um, 
also with that, there's going to be some pushback as you listen to this because of some of the stuff that we're saying. So I even think about one of the girls in, when we did the study, you know, a year and a half ago, she took she, right towards the end of it all. Cause you know, we, we did four weeks on good and then eight weeks on evil and sin and then four weeks on suffering. And she made the comment. She said, you know, Shannon, when you first started presenting this stuff back in the summer, I thought to myself, I didn't tell you this, but I thought to myself, heresy, like this is not true. The Bible doesn't teach this, et cetera. But now that we walk through four weeks of good, eight weeks of evil and sin, and four weeks of suffering, I get it now. Yeah. Because now we're taking all the relevant pieces of information and bringing them together. So I want to encourage you to please listen. I really want to encourage you, please listen to all six episodes to really get uh, a big a big snapshot of this. The other thing I'll say, and I said this already, you know, prepare to get your world rocked. This it's just the volume. It's a sheer volume of information that we're going to present to you over these next four to six hours on evil and sin. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. So please take your time going through these episodes, chewing on them as slow as you need. And as always, if you've got questions and you want elaboration, you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com and, and we can do a dialogue, you know, that kind of thing. So just want to warn you guys ahead of time. So having said that, let's go ahead and dive right in. So as always, um, you know, the first thing we do is the, the terminology and the original wording and definitions. So when we put together this study, you know, you guys know now if you've been listening to these, the first thing we do is we say, so we pick a topic, which is going to be evil and sin, and then we have to figure out what are the family of words that we need to look up in the New American Standard Bible mm-hmm. um, to make sure we're covered, because we, you don't want to look up just evil and sin. You need to look up wicked, etc. So here's the family of words that we picked. So, so we have sin and all its variations, sin, sinning, sin or sinful, da, da, da. Uh, 818 times in the New American Standard Bible, 542 in the Old Testament, 276 in the New. Then we looked up evil, which was 513 times, 404 and 109 in the two parts. Then I looked up wicked, so wicked, wickedly, wickedness, that's 448 times, four, 426 times in the Old Testament, just 22 times in the New Testament. <laughs> that's mostly an Old Testament concept. Uh, iniquity, we looked up 256 times. Uh, that's 252 and four. Hmm. Uh, and then transgression and all of its its variations. That's 140, 140 times, 116 and 24. We looked up guilt and guilty. That's 139 times, 125 and 14. We looked up rebel and rebellion and all those forms, 131 times, 126 and five. Abomination, 113 times, 108 and five. Hmm. Um, bad or badly, 53 times, 35 and 18. Wrong or wrongdoing, 54 times, 30 and 24. Blasphemy or blaspheming on all those variations, 42 times, 13 and 29, so even more in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And then unrighteousness, uh, 33 times, 11 and 22. And then trespass, 6 times, 2 and 4. So a total of 2,746 mentions. So most of the studies, most of the concepts have ran between like 600 and 1,400 uh, passages. Mm-hmm. I think love was around 1,800. Um, and so this was this was 2,400. So we knew that we needed to do eight weeks instead of just four weeks because there were so many mentions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, um, let me think about this. I feel like even 2,400 was not Well, it's right. 2,700. 2,700. Yeah, 2,700. Um, when we did the leading study this summer, and then we'll record that episode later, um, the word king shows up like 3,500 times 
in the Bible, hmm. just king. Wow. And so we couldn't even use king in the leading study because that was its own whole thing. But even taking king aside, it was still like 1,800. It was, it was a lot. But point of all is evil and sin is definitely a lot. 2,700 is a lot of mentions. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the most frequently talked about things in Scripture, which is why we want to do the unpacking on it. Um, it comes out in the Old Testament. There's uh, 1.67 mentions per page, and the New Testament is 1.54 mentions. So it would mean on average, the idea of evil and sin shows up one and a half times every page of the Bible. Hmm. So it's a lot. It's a, it's a definitely yeah. a high-frequent one. Anyways, as we were going through that, there were some other words that I wanted to look up that play into this, but it created so many more things, we decided to make them their own unpacking topics. So the issue of judgment— um, and the issue of punishment. So we're going to touch on that a little bit in this study, but know that we're actually going to do a whole unpacking on judgment and punishment in 2018. Then we'll do a recording after that. It's something I'm, <coughs> I'm very passionate about. Yeah. Um, and then also forgiveness. So forgiveness of sins is a huge thing, but we wanted to do its own study. So we did that this summer when we did Grace and Mercy. It came out through there. Uh, we are going to be referencing the point of forgiveness with sin because it's such a big deal, I think, in, epi- in episode F. Um, but we'll have a, its own unpacking there. And then um, condemnation, uh, condemning, which I think we'll probably go with the judgment and punishment study, and then vengeance. So those didn't be included in this because they're kind of their own separate things. Anyway, so th- that was the family of words that we looked up. So then with that family, we identified all the primary Hebrew and Greek words that are translated evil, sin, wicked, iniquity, etc. And so we want to read those off to you. And, we, and so when we were recording earlier this week, you know, one of the other episodes, we were talking about how this comes across as real tedious that we're just, you know, it's almost like we're, we get monotone <laughs> when we read through this list. And it, and it makes me uncomfortable, but it is what it is. The reason why we include this list is, is we want you to see the, the Hebrew and Greek words, and we want you to hear the definitions. So we use these Bible dictionaries to get at. So here's the Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic words that are used, and here's what they actually mean in and of themselves, mm-hmm. because it really starts to help play in to get a better understanding of what, of what this evil and sin is. So with that, um, one of the primary words for evil and sin in, in Scripture is roah, and, it, and it's, there's a couple uh, variations of that. So roah, ra, ra'ah, ra, these are all different um, words that are the same family of words in the Hebrew. And, and they, they tr- roah translates badness, evil, rottenness, wickedness, ugliness. It's mentioned 19 times. And then the um, ra ra is mentioned 655 times, and it can be translated bad, evil, harmful, distressing, trouble, wretched, wicked, misery, distress, injury, calamity. It's used a bunch of different ways. And then ra is 98 times, and it's to be evil or to act wickedly or something bad or harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is chata, uh, which is to miss the way, path, goal, or mark, um, to go wrong, incur guilt or, or penalty, um, sin, also to purge or purify, and it's mentioned 238 times. And we're going to come back to that later on as far as to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll add more on that. Yeah, definitely want to add more on that. And uh, there's a couple different variations of that, and it, uh, one is chet, which is sin um, or offense, and it's 33 times mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, chata, sinners, offenders, which is mentioned 20 times. Um Chata, offense, sin, also sin offering, which is mentioned eight times. Um, chata, 
and offense and its penalty, sin, also sin offering, purification, which is mentioned 293 times. So that course has a lot of mentions. Almost all of those is the phrase sin offering. And so like in Leviticus, yeah. and you just see sin offering a bunch. That's why that word's mentioned so much. And then we also have Rasha, which is uh, wicked man, evil man, criminal, offender, ungodly, and that's 264 times. And again, that has some different forms. So uh, Rasha, which is to be wicked, wrong, condemned, that's 34 times. Russia, which is a wrong, wickedness, evil, ill-gotten, 31 times. Did you say Russia? <laughs> uh, I'm not. <laughs> Risha, which is <coughs> wickedness, and that's Russia's 14 evil. times. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying that. Don't quote me that. Is that it? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all I have. Okay. Um, and then the next family of words is aval, um to act wrongfully or deviate from. It's two times. Avel, an injustice or unrighteousness, 21 times. Uh, avla, iniquity, evil, unjust, unrighteous, wrong, or wicked, 38 times. And then avan, perversity, depravity, iniquity, guilt, fault, blame, punishment. That's 230 times. Um, another group is Pasha, uh, which means to rebel, revolt, transgress, break away, break away from, and that's mentioned 41 times. Um, and then another form, Pesha, which means revolt, rebellion, a breach of trust, which is mentioned 94 times. Also is Tobah, which is an abomination, something detestable or disgusting, 117 times. And then you have another family, excuse me, uh, Asham. Uh, to offend or be guilty, 34 times. Ashim, an offense or guilt, 46 times. Ashma, wrongdoing or guiltiness, 18 times. Then you have uh, Avin, uh, which is trouble, sorrow, wickedness, uh, and it's mentioned 77 times. And then there's also Marah, which is to be conscientious, bitter, rebellious, or disobedient, 44 times. And also Mary, which is to be bitter or rebellious, 22 times. And that's contentious. Contentious. In the that's the word. Yep. Uh, and then Zima is mentioned 29 times. It means wicked, evil plan or scheme. Um, and then Marad, to rebel, revolt, which is mentioned 25 times. Yaha, which is to oppress, suppress, maltreat, treat violently, 19 times. Uh, Sarar is mentioned 17 times, and it's to be stubborn or rebellious, to turn away, to be refractory or backslide. Shagag, which is mentioned five times, is to go astray, commit sin or error. And then we also have Bish, which is bad, wicked, and evil, and that's used one time. And then there were two other words. Um, there's the Hebrew word abar, which can be translated transgress, so the idea of transgressions. But it can also be translated to pass over through, by, or on. So just a travel word. And it's mentioned a whole bunch of times, so we didn't include that in the study. And then there's the Hebrew word sin. <laughs> like, well, we should use that one. But it, it, it just refers to the wilderness in between Elim and Sinai um, in the peninsula there. And so it's not referring to the topic of sin. That's just the name, so we didn't include that in the study. So, so when, we went, when we went through the Hebrew words in, in the study you know, a year and a half ago, we looked at some of the patterns that came out. You know, so what were some of the concepts that kept coming? up as we were going through all those definitions so one one there was three three main ideas there one was to go wrong so to rebel revolt deviate from to miss the mark to offend or incur guilt those would all kind of go together another theme that we saw with with these words was it was something harmful or oppressive so to like trouble or maltreat somebody mm -hmm. And then a third one, it was it was something detestable, disgusting, rotten, or ugly. So those are just some of the themes that we saw from the Hebrew.
All right, so then looking at the Greek, Connor, what do we have there? Um, the first one they have is hamartano, uh, which is to miss the mark, um, which is what we talked about earlier. So wonder from God's path or law, to do wrong, to err, to commit an offense, uh, sin, and that's mentioned 43 times. And there's a couple of different variations. Um, hamartena, which is sin and evil deed, which is mentioned four times. Um, hamartia, sin, failure, offense mentioned 173 times and Hamartalos sinner which is mentioned 47 times mm-hmm. and then there's also Panaria which is iniquity malice wickedness which is used seven times and then also another form of it which is used 77 times and that's Poneros which is toilsome harmful bad wicked or evil I think by the way pornography comes from that word um, then you had uh, kakos, bad, evil, loathsome, wrong, 48 times, and kakia, wickedness, evil, malice, 11 times. Uh, then you had adikos, which is unjust, unrighteous, not right, wicked, um, which was mentioned 12 times, and another variation, adikia, uh, injustice, unrighteousness, evil doing, wickedness, moral wrongness, violating law and justice, which is mentioned 25 times. And then there's also... Parapotoma, which is a false step, trespass, transgression, slip, lapse, error, misdeed, fault, which is used 20 times. And then we have um, parabino, to go by the side, to go contrary to, to violate three times. And parabasis, a going aside, a violation, seven times. And then sapros, which is rotten, worthless, um, which is mentioned eight times. And then there's delugma. Which is an abomination, something detestable, idolatry, which is used seven times. And then phalos is used six times in the New Testament, meaning worthless or bad. And then two other words. <clears throat> One is blasphemeo, which means to vilify, revile, or speak evil of. It's mentioned 34 times in the New Testament. It becomes its own thing that we're going to reference later when we get into the specific sins in episode, was that D? Um, and then hognos is mentioned eight times. It means to, cl- to clean, to be free from sin, pure, innocent, or perfect. And that kind of plays into some other, other concepts that we have. Mm-hmm. So some of the observations that we made from the Greek, um, one theme was to miss this mark, to violate, to go to the side of, to go away from. So the same, same theme that we saw in the Old Testament, or Hebrew words. Another theme that we saw was the harmful or malicious, which we also saw in the Hebrew list of words. And then a third one was something detestable or something worthless, which we also saw in the Hebrew words. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool for us that we're seeing that there's, there's these themes here with this. Uh, so then... One other note on um, the the Hebrew. Now, this, I don't want to call it controversial. It's a little different, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. There'll, there'll be some scholars and, and, and experts and such that don't make anything of this and then others that do. And so I just, I just want to reference it. Um, we've talked, remember when in the love study, we talked about um, aheb, which is one of the main words for love in the mm-hmm. Hebrew. And we talked about how each of the of the letters, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter has its own meaning. So like the Aleph, which is the A, it's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, means like strong or leader because it's leading all the rest of the letters. And then Bet, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is basically B, it means like family or home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you put those two letters together, the Aleph and the Bet, you get the strong leader of the family. Well... The word, the Hebrew word Ab is father. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's, there's a cool sense. connotation yeah. there. Yeah. And then He is like the H 
uh, in, in Hebrew. Uh, it's in the middle of the alphabet there. And it means the essence or spirit of something. So if you put the he in the middle of the, the aleph and the bet, you, you get those three letters, you get the essence of the strong leader of the family, right? Well, a heb is the Hebrew word for love. Mm-hmm. So you see some connotations there. So with that in mind, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff with that. Uh, another example is with this, with this issue here of evil and sin. So there's, there's this, um, this, and so in, in the Strong's Concordance system, the Hebrew words that are 7462, 7463, and 7464 all have the same three letters, which I don't remember all these. Um, what I think the, the, it looks like, well, it's the R and then the Yod and then the He. Uh, and so it's pronounced Ra'ah, Re'eh, Re'ah, right? And so when you, you get the same three letters, and there's always little symbols that you put around the Hebrew, and it can make different connotations. Ra'ah is translated shepherd or herdsman or pastor, and it's the idea of like keeping somebody, feeding, being a companion to. The idea here is to tend a flock or to keep company with. Mm-hmm. The re'a means a friend, like a male friend. And then re'a is like a female friend or, or companion. So all three of those, there's a, there's a, there's a link there to companionship, uh, like a shepherd companionship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so that's 74, 62, and 63, and 64. The Hebrew Strong's Concordance System, number 7465, is the same three letters. It's pronounced ro'ah. It actually means to be broken or utterly broken. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used only once in, in the Old Testament in Proverbs 25, 9, and it's talking about breaking a confidence when an unfaithful man faces trouble. So like when times get tough, he gets going, and there's a break in whatever relationship or connection that he previously had. And in the Strong's Concordance system, it links it to, to number 7455, which is ro'ah. And ro'ah is one of these words that we just listed, meaning evil, wicked, or bad, sadness or sorrow, badness or some kind of marring. What's interesting here is when you look at the spelling there, it's the first two letters of, of the other three, but the he is missing. So if you have the, I don't remember the Hebrew words here, but I know the, that middle one is Yod, and the first one, it's not Lamech, I forget what it is. Resh, I think it's Resh. So you have the Resh, the Yod, and the He. And so the Resh, the Yod, and the He all put together means some sort of shepherd or companion. When you take the He out of it, you take the essence out of it, it means evil or wicked. Hmm. And so there's some sort of concept here of evil, meaning like the breaking of a companionship or the breaking of some sort of connection. Um, and so that's going to play a little bit into when we get into the definitions. So I just, I just wanted to, t- to touch on that uh, uh, with that. And so the Ra'a and the Ra'a, all the ones that were mentioned earlier, all kind of play into that. Um, and then another note with this, so in both the Hebrew and the Greek, we mentioned some words that mean to miss the mark. Yeah. And I'd heard that a long time ago, and, and it heard a bunch of times, which is true. So sin, to an extent, can mean miss the mark. But if you hear somebody say, oh, so sin means to miss the mark, that's partially true. There's a whole bunch more to it. Mm-hmm. And so with this idea of this breaking of companionship, um, what is the mark? And so I had long thought that the mark was the rules. And so when you sin, you miss the mark, you miss the rules. And so it's a breaking of the rules. And I think that's true. But another thing to keep in mind is what if the mark itself is God? Hmm. And so to miss the mark is to miss God, to stray from God, to break that companionship with God to some extent. Uh, and so we're going to see that play out in the definition. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So then, so so those were some of the um, um, Hebrew connotations with that. Um, and by the way, 
a lot of that is summed up in Jeremiah 2.13, which is, For my people have committed two evils. This is that ra, ra, ra word. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Hmm. And so we see a two-part, which we're going to come back to. So I'll reference that verse again. Anyways, so that was the Hebrew and Greek. So then looking at— There was a, there was oh, one yeah. other thing, Shannon, on that. Go for I it. think— um, I remember when we went over this in the unpacking um, and talking about how missing the mark um, could mean like the break in the relationship. And I think one of the key things that you brought up in reference to that is like that's referring to the intimacy in the relationship and not necessarily the relationship itself. Yes. Um, Yes. Because in Hebrews and other places, you know, God will never leave you. And I think that was a really good, good thing to add to that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So it's not a breaking of a complete companionship with God. It would be the intimacy. We're going to come back to that. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's the Hebrew and the, and the Aramaic and the Greek. So then we looked up the the Merriam-Webster and the, and the Farlex definitions, uh, and this gives us some more information. So we looked up evil, and evil means um, morally bad or blameworthy, or to maliciously cause ruin, destruction, harm, or injury, or something offensive, unpleasant, or reprehensible, something to disapprove of or criticize. And then we looked up wicked, um, which is immoral, morally bad, malicious, causing harm, severely distressing, highly offensive or unpleasant. And then also as a part of understanding this idea, we looked up bad or wrong, which is failing to reach an acceptable standard, incorrect, improper, morally objectionable, disobedient, unfit, unsuitable, unethical, unjust, guilty, or it can also mean harmful, uh, injurious, unhealthy, severe, uh, malevolent, which is ill-wishing or wishing harm, also disagreeable, unpleasant, unfavorable, disturbing, vulgar, or rotten. It's killing me that we had that extra comma in there. (laughs) My OCD is kicking in. Um, And then iniquity or sin means a condition of estrangement from God, and even estrangement Still implies some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. It's just the the the, the, the friction there. Uh, do, it, so it's it's some sort of condition of estrangement from God due to an offense, transgression, violation, or disobedience of His moral law. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had offense, uh, which is stumbling, doing something wrong or improper, a violation or infraction um, that causes another to be hurt, angry, resentful, or upset. Rebel or revolting is to refuse allegiance or cooperation, to oppose, resist, defy, reject, protest, or attempt to overthrow, or also to not accept the control or influence of another. And then to disobey or violate or deviate means to refuse or fail to carry out, comply with, or fulfill some command, order, or instruction, to disregard a law, to do harm to, abuse, or show disrespect for, to ignore or interfere with some proper thing, to stray or depart from some established principle, standard, or norm. Uh, Then trespass, um, which is to commit unlawful or moral injury or offense, um, intrude or infringe on another, violating or exceeding the limits of. Also, failure is deficient or lacking, perform ineffectively or inadequately, to fall short, abandon, omit, or function improperly. Uh, malicious or harmful or maltreat is a spiteful desire, intent, or action that causes damage or injury in a rough or cruel way. Uh, then we had depravity, um, which is moral corruption, decline in morality detestable and loathsome which is something that can cause disgust hate 
or uh, aberrance, repugnance, or basically a, a extreme dislike or aversion. Uh, and then rotten or worthless is unhealthy, weak, unable to use for good effect, having no value or good qualities. Then we had fault or guilt, um, which is having a weakness, flaw, or defect in character, um, responsibility for a mistake or offense. And then it's also worth noting what moral even means. And so that's conforming to good, correct, virtuous attitude and behavior. So those were some of the key words that we looked up. Um, so we have in, in my notes here um, a, a possible difference between hate and anger. I'm going to hold off on that now. Um, wait and remind me when we get to, oh, this is that's going to be another episode. But remind me when we get to um, the God's response. I, I'll go ahead and say it now, but just remind me to, to cover this again when okay. we get it. Um, but... <laughs> This is a theory, but that hate would be uh, a strong aversion to something. So when you see it, you just almost naturally take a step back where anger would be a more aggressive action toward. And so we're going to we're going to get into when we get into God's response and then our response that we need to hate evil, but anger becomes a very qualified thing. Mm. And so we need to again Romans 12, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We need to hate where when you see something that is evil, which we're about to give you the definition, you almost just find yourself naturally taking a step back from. So we'll come back to that later on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so so those are, are um, the, a lot of the words that we looked up. Then another thing is, you know, a lot of these unpackings overlap with each other. So we referenced this at the beginning of the episode already, but we need to pay attention there are certain other unpacking concepts and topics that we have to understand if we're really going to understand and, and come to a definition of what evil and sin is. And those topics, some of them, so love, so just as a, so you need to go back and listen to all these, these episodes, <laughs> but just want to remind you that love, remember the heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's the, the emotional affection for and delight in mm-hmm. that's the heart element. There's that, um, the, this, covenantal loyalty and commitment to that's the soul element uh, the decision there is the um, trying to really understand somebody and be very patient and forgiving of them that's the mind and then there's that active contribution to their well-being whether that's meeting a need or going above and beyond the need with some blessing mm-hmm. or um, refining sharpening correcting right and that, that's all under the strength so one of the core parts is that fourth one that love is going to contribute to the well-being of mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to bring good to another person if you love somebody you're going to bring about good for them so then that leads to the good definition or the good unpacking which we did this last episode and so remember how in that one good can mean something that has value or something that is pleasing or beautiful or something that is beneficial or something that is moral Mm -hmm. and it's that third one that seems to be the primary thing so we're going to come back to this again and again and again in this topic that something is good if it's beneficial to one's well-being and so, so you see where love and good overlap. Then you get into justice. Now, we haven't done the unpacking of justice yet, which we're going to do in a couple episodes from now. To give you a little spoiler, justice biblically is the making of things right. Hmm. And so what is right? Things that are good and loving, uh, from my understanding of it. Um, and so you can see where uh, good and loving and justice all actually tie together, that if you love somebody or God is love, and so among other things, God wants others to experience beneficial well-being, which is good. So God wants others to experience good. And so justice is the making of that happen. 
It's the bringing about of good. Um, and so we're going to, so you want to keep that idea of beneficial in mind as we get into the, to the, the evil definition. Um, and then you also want to pay attention way back in season one in the lenses when we did seven stage journey, which I think is episode 1.01. Or 1.02. I think it's 1.01. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the seven-stage journey is going to play a lot. This so you always want to recognize your own presuppositions and paradigms when you're taking a topic. For sure. So we can't sit here and say that that we've we've laid aside all bias and we neutrally have figured out what good and evil is and all that. We're still bringing our own presuppositions. One of the presuppositions that I bring into this study is the seven-stage journey. So you're going to want to go back and listen to that one um, because it gets into the prologue and the story, which is going to come out here in. In, in episode C of why God allows evil. Um, and then hope in heaven also become an important thing because you're recognizing that this prologue that we're in is broken, full of sin and evil. And that can be very discouraging, but we're going to get to a story, this eternal kingdom of heaven, um, where there is no sin. So you're going to go back and listen to each of those two. And then faith and maturity. because And this we'll get to when we get to the practical application of what, what is our interaction with sin, how to prevent it, and how to respond to it. Um, faith and maturity become huge components to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to be i encourage you guys to go back and listen to each of those because they all play into this yeah and even two more i know one of them we're going to talk about for sure is muddy fields that's a concept yep. that yeah, you're we'll going to want to go yeah. back and listen to but also seven steps to change i think can also be uh beneficial oh, yeah, yeah, in well. season one uh as we get into more of that practical application actually as will patience and perseverance but we haven't done that we've done the study but we haven't done the recording yet so that that'll come out later as well as one of the fruit of the spirit so you want to keep those stuff in mind so so we went through the study, you know, eight weeks long. We went through all the Hebrew and the Greek. We looked up all these different definitions. Uh, we looked up, you know, um, you know we, we went back and reminded ourselves of all these other c- concepts that overlap with that. Mm-hmm. Then we went through all the scripture. We went through the 2,700 and change verses. I forget how many were it was in that. It was like 10 of us in that study, I think. I believe so. Uh, I think all 10 did the four weeks of good, the eight weeks of evil, and the uh, maybe not everyone did the suffering, but they all did the good and evil. Anyways, so, and then just a reminder, you know, we split up the, the scripture into um, the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then the historical books, which is Joshua through uh, Esther, and then the wisdom literature, which is Job, Job through uh, Song, of Song, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, and then the prophets, Isaiah through Malachi, uh, and then we, and then the um, Gospels and Acts, and then the Epistles and Revelation. So we always had those six sections. So we spent multiple weeks going through all of those passages. And so we had all these concepts already in mind as we went through that. And then we read all of these different verses, and we tried to you know make sure we were con- as te- contextual as we can, and we discussed it and hashed it all out. And from all of that, we were able to come to a concluding definition of what sin is. And so this is the last part we're going to do here in, in this episode. So given all of that, we want to give you guys the, uh, the definition now. And so I'm going to break it into to two parts, the evil and the sin, though they're, they're basically connected. So we talked about those four parts with good, right? So inversely, evil, so we had you know G0, G1, G2, and G3. Why those Gs? There's a philosopher that quoted this stuff. You can go back and listen to the study. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we predicted in the good study, we wondered if inversely there'd be an E0, E1, E2, and E3. Uh, and sure enough, there was the opposites of each of those. So the Bible can say when the Bible calls something evil, it can mean one of four things. It can mean something without value or worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, that was only a, a handful of times. It can mean something displeasing, um, which is the opposite of beautiful or pleasing. Uh, example of that, there's um, in the prophets, I forget which one it is now, there's a verse that says God brought this 
Um, and I think most English translations now call it calamity. God brought this calamity upon you. The Hebrew word is the ra'ah, the same word that elsewhere is translated evil. So one of the ways that you can actually translate that is God brought this evil upon you. Now, some of the older English translations, that's exactly how they write it. Hmm. So some of the older King James and some of those, it says God brought this evil upon you. More of the modern translations change it to calamity just because of the controversy behind that because we know that God doesn't cause evil but now that we understand these four-part definition that God can actually bring something displeasing upon you sure um, because displeasing doesn't mean not good it just means you didn't like it right a sour uh, a sour yeah um, and then the third one is detrimental the opposite of beneficial mm-hmm. and then the fourth one is immoral the opposite of moral So we talked about, for example, God's never going to do an E3, that fourth one. He's never going to do something immoral. Mm -hmm. He will do things that displease you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we we got into a discussion, can he cause something detrimental? And so remember one of the things that we talked about was it seems that he may cause something that's physically detrimental, but spiritually beneficial, Mm -hmm. right? So this whole idea of the of these four, you know, G zero through G three and E zero through E three, to give another example of this, um, a shot of penicillin, a shot of penicillin is a G two E one, so it's beneficial but displeasing. Mm-hmm. So it's beneficial to get that shot because it's helping your body heal, but that that needle puncturing your skin and causing uh, harm to your skin is is displeasing. Inversely, crack cocaine is a G1E2. It's something that's pleasing. You yeah. get that high, uh, but it's something detrimental to your brain and, and to your body, right? So that was what we liked about it is that people want to oversimplify good and evil. It's They're always complex, right? Everything, or truth is complex. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what we realized is, man, okay, this makes more sense. So there are certain things that are pleasing but detrimental, meaning they're both good and evil. Hmm. And there are other things that are very beneficial but displeasing, which could also technically be called good and evil. Normally, when we refer to evil, we're referring to that third one, the detrimental. So this becomes a huge point of all this, and we're going to keep coming back to this in all these little sub-episodes that we're going to do. So keep in mind, you the listener, remember this. It's more complex than this, but this is the main point you remember. Something is good if it's beneficial to your or another's well-being. Something is evil if it's detrimental to your or another's well-being. This becomes a core point of this whole study. So I, I want you guys to remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is, that's, that's the definition that we're going to give for evil. Then we give the definition for sin. And so this goes back, where is it here? It goes back to that Jeremiah passage, uh, Jeremiah 2.13. And I got it here. Uh, It states, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That becomes a primary point of of this definition of sin. And so this is, again, I want you to listen carefully to this. That sin is a two-part definition. Primarily, it's a turning away from God and his beneficial goods and secondarily, it's turning to something detrimental. Um, so another, I'm, I'm trying to find all my notes here. Um, here it is. So if you look at, I'm going to give you some verses. Um, Deuteronomy 9.16, Isaiah 1.2-7, Isaiah 53.6, Jeremiah 2.13, Jeremiah 5.23-25, Romans 3.23. 
all comes back to this, this idea of primarily, you know, what is sin? Primarily, sin is a turning away from God or his beneficial goods that he's offering. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, it's turning to something detrimental to you or others. Um, it can mean, you know, displeasing or worthless as well. But we're looking primarily at that detrimental uh, point there. And so even going back to like that missing the mark or going wrong or rebelling from, um, you have this idea of you're, you're missing God. You're turning away from God and his beneficial goods, and you're turning to something detrimental. So let me give you guys, um, well, before I give you that visual of the buckets, I don't know if you guys have any comments that you want to you add. Yeah, I think that one thing that's worth mentioning is because I think uh, a lot of times we try and figure out what what does it mean by missing the mark? Like what do uh, God's laws actually come from? And something that we found is that sin really is anything that goes against God's character. And so missing the mark is going uh, away from God's character because he actually created ethics and morality to point us to himself. And so when we are missing the mark, that's what's actually going on. We are not um, recognizing what his character would result in us doing, and we're moving away from that. Right. So here's some other wording then. Uh, um, a rebelling or straying from God and his good parameters. That's kind of that breaking that companionship to, to some extent and disobeying him. And then partaking of something harmful or detrimental to the uh, spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical, or social well-being of you or another. And God finds this detestable because of his goodness and his love. Um, showing that it has no value and is unable to be used for good effect, right? So the idea here, going back, this is why you need to know what good and love is. God is love. And so among other things, God desires that you experience beneficial goods. Um, And so he creates all of these beneficial goods. So going to commands and prohibitions. The idea here is, why does God give us these commands? Why does he tell us to go be these things or go do these things? It must be because it causes benefit for you or another around you in that community, and that's why he commands it. And then why does he give these prohibitions? So sometimes he says, I do not want you being this, or I do not want you doing this. This goes back to the be to have lens in season one. Um, why does he prohibit that? Well, it must be detrimental to your or another's well-being, which is why he prohibits it. So it's not just this control issue that God actually issues commands and prohibitions because of his perfect knowledge and because of his perfect love. That was radical for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That a lot of times, you know, I was told don't sin because it's bad. Yeah. You know, don't sin because it dishonors God and all this kind of stuff. And I think all this stuff's true, but this took it to another level for me. Don't sin because it's detrimental to your well-being or another's. And I was like, huh. Like, it just clicked for me, right, when, when we went through that. Um, so let me, let me give you guys um, this analogy. So picture, maybe, you can, maybe if you're an artist, you can draw this out. But picture God in all of his awesomeness and grandeur. So this goes back to the glory study. Mm-hmm. So remember, glory is that resplendent heaviness. And so just he himself is just resplendently heavy, majestic, awesome, awe-inducing, right? All these things. Mm -hmm. So you picture God and picture him standing in like this, almost like like he's the fountain in a pool. 
So he's he's the fountain. He's standing right there, which goes back to the cistern fountain passage in Jeremiah. Yep. So he's standing there, and then he's standing in the midst of this big, uh, shallow, like you know, knee deep pool, and that pool represents all of the beneficial goods that he's offering, both in this life and the eternal kingdom to come. And so he's standing there in this pool of all this goodness, a pool of goodness, and and so there's a little like wall, right, kind of cordoning all that off. You, we all start outside that pool. And so to believe in Jesus, to come to God, is to step into that pool and start moving your way toward him, right? And so the idea is, best case scenario, you're actually right there up on him, hugging him and him hugging you, and getting to sit in all that water and the other beneficial goods that he's offering. This becomes best case scenario. Just outside of that pool, there's a ring of buckets, okay? And each bucket is a bucket of slop or a bucket of nasty water. These buckets refer to what we typically call sin. So there'd be a bucket of lust, a bucket of murder, a bucket of stealing, etc. right? And so we have long thought that sinning is dipping into one of those buckets. That's that secondary part, second part of the mm-hmm. definition. The first part is that you're turning from God and his beneficial goods. So the idea is, let's say you're a believer— And so if your best case scenario, you're a really stout believer and you're walking tight with God, you're right up there with him in the middle of the Mm -hmm. fountain. Let's say you're a more immature believer. So this goes back to the maturity study, one of these patterns. There's the immature believers and the mature believers. An immature believer is still in the pool, right? They're still in the boundaries. So God is still there, but they don't focus as much on him. They focus maybe more on the other beneficial goods that he's offering. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just outside that are all these buckets. So if you're a believer and you sin... What you're first doing is you're turning your back to him. There's still some sort of companionship that we were mentioning earlier because you're still with him, right? You're Mm -hmm. still saved. But you're turning your back from him, and you're ignoring all this water right around you, all this really good, tasty water. And you lean over the railing, and you eat from one of those buckets. Hmm. And And so the sin is primarily not finding your contentment in God and the beneficial goods that he's offering, and instead trying to find your contentment in that bucket of slop. And this, we're going to get all this later. Well, why would one turn to the bucket of slop? We're going to get into that in a different episode of why do we sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and so then like for a non-believer who's standing outside the pool, so they're not even in the pool, so they're not, they don't have that relationship with God, they don't, and they're not experiencing those beneficial goods that he's offering, so they're just eating from the buckets. So what's interesting to me is, the church has focused so much on the buckets hmm. and they've ranked the buckets. So some buckets are worse than other buckets yeah. when that's not even the whole point. The whole point is that you're not finding your contentment in God. And so one of the things that we're going to do in this study is we're going to get to, you know, practical application with all these things. So in that analogy, let's say Connor, I'm helping you. And let's say there's some bucket that you're turning to. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say I'm yelling and screaming at you to not eat from that. Let's say the bucket is is lying. Like you just tell a lot of lies. So I'm t- constantly screaming at you. Don't lie. Dishonors God. You know the, the, the lie is a sin. Um, you know da da da. But we're, but the whole, or I'm spraying water like you cat. You know <laughs> I'm spraying the water on you or I slap you and I punch you. And let's say we spend six to eight months just drilling home the point you cannot eat from this bucket of lying. And so through sheer willpower, through negative reinforcement, through fear, through guilt, a bunch of all these different motivations, after six to eight months, you finally got to the point where you can resist 
eating from that bucket. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that we've discussed for six to eight months is how you're not supposed to eat from that bucket. It's the only thing that we've addressed. We haven't addressed anything else. What are you going to start doing right after that? So let's, let's say for, for a few minutes or a few days, you don't eat from that bucket. Um, well, in, in this scenario, it would be finding another bucket. Yeah, you're I just going to turn to another bucket. And I think oh, one of the common ones is like guilt, condemnation. Yeah, because guilt can actually be a bucket. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, remember when we were talking about this example, it was just, um, yeah, there was so much that went into Yeah, because Romans 8 1, there's no condemnation for we who are in Christ Jesus. So if you condemn yourself, that actually falls outside of God's parameters. That's a detrimental thing. That's another bucket. But yeah, with with that focus, I agree. It's basically straight straight to another bucket. Yeah. So so you're just going to turn to another bucket, or eventually turn back to that first one, right? So that that's that can't be the solution. Going back to, to solution focused counseling and positive reinforcement, things like that. I need to recognize the reason why you're turning to the lie bucket is because you're not finding your contentment in God in the pool. Mm-hmm. So what I need to do is I need to help you find your contentment in God in the pool. And so if you're actually enjoying that water and you're enjoying the hugs from him, you won't, the, the desire won't be as strong. Now we're going to get into muddy fields at all. The desire will still always be there yep. to some extent. Um, but that's the point is getting you to actually find, to really enjoy the water in the pool and to enjoy God's hugs. Then you won't turn to that bucket. And it just makes so much more sense to me. So, so we are in, we are in the church a lot of times is in, in the business of sin management. Hmm. Um, and we want to move away from that. Right. Hmm. Um, and so another, another point with that is a lot of times too, let's say, let's, let's use example of, let's say you're struggling with lust or same sex attraction or whatever. And I'm, and I'm struggling with lies. A lot of us would say, well, yeah, lies technically is sin, but it's not as bad as sleeping around outside of marriage. It's not as bad as sleeping with another guy. Mm. So I am turning to that white lie bucket because I'm not finding my contentment in God. And you're turning to a lust or, or whatever sexual sin it is or drunkenness, right? Any, any one of these that we would rank as bigger. Hmm. Um, you're also turning to that bucket because um, you're not finding your contentment in God. So neither one of us is finding our contentment in God and the beneficial goods that he's offering, which is why we turn to the buckets. I somehow think that it's less bad that I'm turning to the white lie bucket than I am some sort of sexual sin or drunkenness. Hmm. And so I justify, I can still help fix you. Yes, technically I need to stop eating from this bucket, but you're the bigger thing. We want to challenge that right yeah. in this study and say there is no ranking of the buckets. And so it's just it's trying to flip the script here and, and get us rethinking a new way. Yeah. And uh, just because uh, I know some people are immediately having pushback to there is no ranking of the buckets. And so I do want to add we're going to talk about this more. But uh, I do want to add a little caveat that that doesn't mean that there aren't different levels of consequence or even um, like uh, on earth different things happen depending on what you do so if you lie or if you murder someone like different things happen in order to make that right and so we do want to recognize that but just what we're really trying to say here is in the eyes of god there is not uh, a ranking of sin because the actual issue is you're turning away from him and so what he's concerned about is the fact that you are finding your pleasure or enjoyment or whatever that is somewhere else besides him. Mm-hmm. And that's really the primary thing. Mm-hmm. The secondary issue is where you're doing that. Right. The, so that bucket that you turn to is a sin, but it's a secondary point of all of it. Mm-hmm. So that, so, so what is the takeaway from all this? And you guys can add anything else if you need to, because we're going we're gonna to wrap up the study now, the, this episode. The takeaway here is understanding that that evil is is something you know um, mainly something detrimental, 
And sin, given that, is a turning away from God and his beneficial goods and turning to something that's detrimental. It's pleasing to us, which is why we turn to it. We'll get into that later. Um, so we want you, practically speaking, as you guys are listening to this, whatever it is, the, the bucket that you're turning to, we want you to lay that aside for the moment because that's not really the primary issue. Mm-hmm. The primary, and this is going to get back to how does one actually fight and resist sin. We just want it to, sit, that, to hit home and to sit within you deeply that sin is the bucket that you turn to that we, we would list out all these sins. It's secondary. It yeah. really is yeah. secondary. The primary point of your sin, the primary element of your sin is that you're not finding your contentment and satisfaction and pleasure in God and the good things that he's offering. And, and we don't mean that in a bad way. For me, it was very encouraging because I'm like, okay, well, hold on. Let me, I got to rethink this then. So the key here is I just need to find why God's things are more pleasing, and which is going to take time. It's easier said than done. Da, da, da. But if I'm doing that, I'm going to be turning less to those buckets. That was very encouraging for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have anything else that you want to add to that. No. Okay. So that's wrapping up this episode of just getting to what is evil and sin, right? And so we're going to keep referencing this two-part definition um, and the detrimental aspect throughout all of it. And so, so we'll stop there. We'll, we'll wrap that up. Um, one thing I know I mentioned started with suffering, that suffering is a second, a separate issue, and, and we're going to cover that later. I know I said that. I just want to, I want to repeat it again. So, so that's it. That's it. That's it for episode three point one one A. And so we're going to sign off now. And then the next episode is three point one one B, which is going to get into all the specific results. What does sin actually result in? Why is it detrimental? Right, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll sign off with that. So if you have any questions, you know, email us at info at rekindlingministries.com. Go to the website rekindlingministries.org. And then we'll see you guys um, for episode B next.